1: Today on the Zabecast, Super Bowl week is upon us, and for the last time, people, the Saints game and that blown call is over. My friends in Wisconsin are preparing for ice station zebra like conditions. I'll check in with my boy getter, see how he's prepping. All that, plus, I did watch the fire festival, and yes, I have some thoughts on that. But caution, spoilers ahead. Bonus Abe is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Oh, ho, 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 ho,
2: ho. Here
3: we go.
1: Monday, January 28, 2019. Thank you for downloading. Heading down to Atlanta on Tuesday with my boy Scott Lynn for live coverage of the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 53 and hype week, if they call it that still. Uh, Tuesday's show on WTEM, the Team 980, will originate from dreaded radio row. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And we'll do our best job of giving you a good, solid show with as many interesting people as we can find, with as few uninteresting people that get forced upon us, all the while giving you a little bit of behind the scenes on what's happening down in Atlanta. I'm not super excited, but I'm appreciative of it. I don't want to sound like an ungrateful media whore. Hell, I get to go and stay in a hotel for a week. Oh yeah? What do you do in a hotel? Uh, you know, turn up the heat and duddle duck it. <laughs> what do you do in a hotel? Just relax. Sit quietly. Lay around quietly. Watch TV in bed. It's sort of like a vacation from life in a way. You know, any guy who's a married guy, you're like, oh God. It's not that I don't love my wife and kids. It's just, uh, okay. It's good. Got my own little room. I do I still I don't travel enough. And I'm not on business enough. I, I think for those that are. You're probably rolling your eyes thinking, really? This is exciting to you, a fucking hotel room? Well, it is. uh, I can't say which one you'll you'll bombard me, but it's a a nice hotel near the airport. In fact, I think it's at the airport. (laughs) Probably not convenient to downtown, but eh, whatever. There's Uber, and we shall get uh, reimbursed. No, I like hotel rooms. It's a little mini house that you have. It's simple. It's just right there. If the Wi-Fi is fast, and room sur- room service, just a bing call away. Yep, uh, bring me some food. What's not to like? So, anyway, looking forward to Atlanta, and I will be down there for the game on Sunday night. And I will hopefully post the ZabeCast. No, not hopefully, I will. ZabeCast post-Super Bowl before I go to bed on Sunday night and wake up way too early to go to the airport and fight the masses to get back on Monday. A Super Bowl edition of Football Five Ways Friday, premium subscribers only, with Mr. X and his prop bet-a-palooza, and our thoughts on the game will be posted on Friday morning, and I hope you do subscribe. And then after that, we're really we're done with football. We're going to have to go to a plan B. But again, everyone who subscribes to the premium, it's helping support the Total Zabecast effort, and there will be continued upper-level additional premium content coming. So I'll leave it at that. Let's start with the nonsense that just will not fucking end. Saints fans, politicians, Saints players, and other stories that keep harping on this missed call. Get over it. Couple things to play for you, and let's start with this asshat, Bill Cassidy, Republican, Louisiana, who took to the floor of the Senate to say the following.
4: The defender said I I interfered with him. He admitted it. I thought I was going to get called, but I didn't. The past interference was not called, and now the Rams will play in the Super Bowl against the Patriots instead of the Saints. Which is kind of a shame. It really is a taint upon the Super Bowl. It's if kind of
1: a shame. It's a taint. No, you're a taint. Be the two teams you're a that dirty got there, taint at least in one for case, the taints, the New Orleans taints.
4: see an obvious call. Now, I don't just mean to kvetch, uh, which obviously Is it kvetch
1: or is it kvetch? But it's actually is it tighter on that?
4: About the integrity of the game.
1: Oh, 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 oh the if integrity of the, of the NFL, game.
4: Yeah. It almost becomes a metaphor for that which is the most competitive. The highest quality, where coaches and athletes dedicate themselves, dedicate honing their, themselves. their skills to the absolute highest Horing level. As folks say, if you can win in the NFL, you can win anywhere. It is a metaphor. Saints, every football team invest heavily in this.
1: Doesn't football matter, fans by the way.
4: Really come to town on this. So the question is, did the NFL? We have a few questions for them. How are the officials selected for this
1: game? Uh, ooh, ooh, let me raise my hand because you or your staff didn't do five fucking seconds of research. It's an all-star crew, which some say is a good way to do it. Others say is a bad way to do it. They try to call the best-graded refs at all the positions to then go call the biggest games. There answered for you go to footballzebras.com you dummy or have your staff have somebody on your staff if you're going to go out on the floor of the senate go i'm going to rip the refs for this call four days later who here really knows football can you give me some answers how are these refs picked have that information before you go out there for
4: example they grade officials after every game were the best officials sent to this game or was it just a rotation if it's just a rotation. How did the referees who officiated this game grade? Now, I don't want this to be too personal, but if somebody commits a penalty during a football game...
1: Why do I feel like he's talking to us like we're in kindergarten right now?
4: The referee will say number 74 was offsides. And the NFL has an accountability in the performance of everybody in that game. So I think Saints fans would like to have an accountability for the referees.
1: Yeah, that's what Saints fans are saying. We want accountability. We want the NFL to admit they fucked up. I know how today's culture works. They want the NFL to say officially on letterhead, we fucked up. And even if they did release it on letterhead saying we fucked up, some Saints fans would go, not enough. Goodell needs to stand up at a podium and say, we messed up. And they won't just say at that point, okay, all right, well, we got our explanation. We feel good now. No. Then it moves to the next phase, which already, by the way, the next phase being litigation, which is going nowhere, but it's just it's tying up lawyers' time and being a hassle. The next phase is going to be demanding, well, what do we get in return because you admitted that you screwed up? This is where I'm actually with the NFL that they shouldn't admit anything because in today's culture, just admitting, yeah, we screwed up doesn't end things. It advances them to the next level of the grievance culture. Oh, we've been wronged. What do we get instead? Do we want to hear more of this ass Bill Cassidy? Did people look into conflicts
4: of interest. It's been pointed out that the referee who missed the call lives in Los Angeles. Is he a diehard Rams fan?
1: Yeah, because the Rams have been back there for what, five minutes? Idiot. Um, again, how? Did... I'm a diehard Ram fan. Now, I'll say this: there was a Saints, there was a Saints fan who was a referee during one of the replacement ref games that had to be removed from the crew. So that does happen. But apparently, he might have actually done a Saints game as a Saints fan. So, ooh, glass houses, don't you think, Saints fans? These
4: referees get scored in this game. Every, every, after every game, the referee is kind of given a grade.
1: Well, Why can't there be a giant fist like on those Japanese game shows where the contestants literally risk their life? Sort of like Wipeout, a giant padded boxing glove that could spring out of the floor of the Senate and just BAM! Knock this guy clear out of the picture. Was it
4: an A-plus or was it a C-minus? And if it is a lower score, what was the comment on this particular play?
1: Um... They want the NFL to divulge all of those inner gradings of the officials. And this is the only part in which I'm going to agree with this asset, is that maybe the NFL does need to go to what the NBA has done, which is produce a L2M report known as the last two-minute report, in which they go over every single call, every single game, and every single mistake and go... That should have been a foul. This should have been a travel. Yes, James Harden walks all the time. No, that's not the sixth foul on LeBron James. We never call him for a sixth foul. What are you talking about? And on down the line. Maybe the NFL has to go to that. It's not going to satisfy everybody, though. That's for sure. And then on the heels of this, okay, we're done with Cassidy. You get the drift there. Adam Schefter reported the following Sources. Four officials in Rams win have SoCal ties. I believe the report characterized this as several sources in the league office were concerned. Concern, I think, is the word. Yeah, SoCal ties. Yes, by ties, they live in Southern California, which is a pretty vast place. They live, these four guys, as far and wide as Santa Barbara, California, Newport Beach, In the case of Vinovich. Go look up on a map, Mission Viejo. Look on a map where all these things are. So the story says, blah, 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 blah. bad optics, blah, 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 blah. And then about five graphs down, it says, the Saints and other officials not involved in the game do not believe that these officials' geographical ties influence their non-call according to sources. Well, that's the end of the story, isn't it? Well, not if you listen to one officiating source, reports Schefter. What officiating source told ESPN, The NFL put itself in a bad situation. This is stuff that has to be taken care of prior to the game. Blah, blah, blah. Basically, the idiots of the world who think that it's possible a referee would subvert doing his job and making the best calls he can make just to help out his Favorite team because he lives in the area? No. If you believe that, you're too dumb to be watching sports. You just are. You, you need to go watch some kitty channel. Go watch Nickelodeon. It's more your speed. These guys worked their entire lives to get up to this level. Let, let's say these referees are like, okay, secret Rams fan here. Give me the Rams handshake. Okay, good. Tell you what, if this game's getting tight down the end, let's make sure you and I we give that look to each other maybe a quick little you know flick of our finger aside our nose like we're going to we this is the play we're going to not call cuz rams yeah and then what happens if they were to actually do all that and then the saints in overtime took the ball ran right downfield scored a touchdown and won oh shit now i've made the worst call in the history of football and the team i wanted to win didn't win boy, that's kind of bad. I guess I'm never going to get picked for another playoff assignment again. But hey, I try to help my team. Try to help them. You really have to be a child to believe this shit. But there are people that do. And now there's people saying that to placate the people who are children and think that geographical hometowns has any bearing on how guys would call games, that we have to start reassigning guys based on where they live. Well, that's a terrible way to do things because people live all over the place and fandom geographically for some franchises extends two or three states and while you could have said well they would have been easy to put this crew over on the Chiefs game instead like what if Vinovich graded out one of the two highest guys you got you want him working this weekend several other guys in this crew graded very high as well and let's say you decide okay we're going to put that crew on the Chiefs game do you know there was a petition by Rams fans to get Vinovich off their game because they were 0-2 with Vinovich refereeing their games? Vinovich's crew called more penalties against the Rams than its opponents in all nine Rams games he's officiated. So you'd have a case where you move the crews, you flip the crews, just based on, well, you know, Vinovich, is, uh, he lives down in uh, Newport Beach. By the way, nice for him. Referees may make to be able to live in Newport Beach, whatever. You flip the cruise because you want to want to avoid that so-called optics of potential conflict. And then people go, Oh, oh, I guess this fan petition by the Rams worked. The only notable thing in the story is they described after Vinovich told Riveron that it wasn't his play and it wasn't his call. Cavaletto told Riveron it was simply a bang-bang call, but then the officiating crew was shown a replay of Roby Coleman plowing into Lewis before the ball arrived, and the room went quiet, according to a league source. They knew they missed the call. Well, if they wanted the Rams to win, why wouldn't those guys high-five? Wouldn't they saw the play like, yeah! Got him! Got him! Nice play! Nice call! Again, If you even entertain any notion of this, you're too dumb for sports. Just downgrade yourself. Watch something that's simpler, that's easier to understand, perhaps. And then there was the Mike Greenberg tweet about this story, in which he described it as interesting and significant. And I said to myself, you have got to be fucking kidding me. Oh, wait a minute. It's Greenberg. I bet you his bosses said... We've got several blocks of programming scheduled for this story that Schefter wrote, which is a story about nothing. It's a story about childlike assumptions that nobody with a brain believes. And we're going to devote several segments of it tomorrow. So you, Greeny, who I think has several million followers, you need to tweet out. "Mm, I tell you what, I find this very interesting and significant. There's no way Mike Greenberg, with his adult Northwestern University-educated brain actually believes anything in that Schefter story was either significant nor interesting. With his adult Northwestern brain, now with his, you know, <laughs> with his do anything for his boss's brain, thinking, I am making $6 million a year, which is way too much money for a show that doesn't get much good ratings. What's that? Oh, you want me to tweet this? Yeah, no problem. What do you want me to say? How's this? Here's a Here's a rough draft. Is that good? Okay, good. And hey, he's making six million dollars a year. I'm doing a podcast, begging for your five bucks. That brings me to something I think will cleanse the palate. Something I think that I, I enjoyed hearing it. I think you will as well. Been more and more on YouTube these days. I, I've I've hooked into you know Joe Rogan, and you're going to say. Uh, Just now, Zabe, I think he's on to episode 1,192, if not more. I've known about Joe Rogan. I've known about his podcast. I'm just saying now I've started to watch more and more of his clips and stuff. And so I happened upon this discussion he had with Jordan Peterson, who is a clinical psychologist and professor at the University of Toronto. You may know exactly who he is. If you don't, he has become YouTube famous as of late. He does debates, he does lecture series. He is part of a loose group of academics that are called the so-called intellectual dark web. And they're like the uber smart version of Alex Jones and company where people of different political leanings are getting together to kind of debate things and go over things and try to find common ground. Rogan himself guides Peterson into the realm of sports and points out, that bitching about losing especially in the sport rogan knows most about mma is the worst thing you can do here take a listen
2: honest enough about the circumstances to not cry foul when it's gone the other person's mm-hmm.
1: way yeah well
3: that's and, part of resilience it's right like look yeah. you're not going to win it. you're not going to you're not going to score on every shot right doesn't mean you shouldn't take the shots doesn't mean you shouldn't try to to hit the goal but part of Part of being able to continue to take shots is to have the strength of
2: character to tolerate the fact that, that in that instance, you weren't on top. It's more trivial in games than it is in fights. And it's also the response is much more negative to the, from the fans if you lose a fight and complain about it. It is, it's ruthless They're, because they understand that you've made a, a huge character error. Yeah, so why do you think it's more
3: important in in fights than it is in games? Why do you think it's even highlighted there? Because the consequences
2: are so grave. Because you recognize that the high is much higher and the lows are much lower. To lose a basketball game sucks, but it's nothing like losing a fight. There's no comparison. It's not even close. So what
3: do you think it is that damages the fighter if he um, complains about losing? Why is that a mistake? Why do the fans respond so negatively to that? Because they know.
2: They know that you lost. They know that you're complaining for no reason and you're not a hero. They want you to be better than them. Yeah. They want you to be the person that has the courage to step into a cage or a ring or wherever you, with whatever the format is you're competing, and to do something that's extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, they hold you to a higher standard. Right, to lose with grace. Yes, and when you fall, especially if you were a champion, that is one of the most disappointing things ever, when a champion complains, right. and, and it is, its okay, so, the response so, okay, is horrific okay, from the audience. Okay,
3: so that's a great example. So let's imagine, what does the person who loses something important with grace do? And the answer is fairly straightforward. He accepts the defeat and thinks, okay, what what is it that I have left to improve that will decrease the possibility of a similar defeat in the future? Yes. Right? So yes. so so what he's doing is because the great athlete and the great person is not only someone who's exceptionally skilled at what they do, but who's trying to expand their skills at all, po- at all times. Yes. But if you lose the match and then whine, what you've done is sacrifice the higher-order principle of constant improvement of your own skills. Yes. Because you should be analyzing the loss and saying, um, the reason I lost, insofar as it's relevant to this particular time and place, is the insufficiencies I manifested that defeated me. And I need to track those insufficiencies so that I can rectify them in the future. And if I'm blaming it on you or the referees or the situation, then I'm not taking responsibility and I'm not pushing myself forward. Wow.
1: Love it. He then went on to describe why your own self-reflection on how to be better in life, you and me and everyone else who's not a professional athlete or amateur athlete, is crucial, especially when your own life becomes wretched and miserable, his words, Many times, wretched and miserable, through absolutely, positively,
2: no fault of your own. Saying this, why are you saying your miserable, wretched life? Because there's a lot of people that don't have miserable, wretched lives that also just want to improve. Like, why does it have to be the worst case scenario in order to? Because it has to work. It has to.
3: It has to work. The theory has to work in the worst case scenario. Okay. That's so why you're so, using
2: the worst case scenario as an yeah, example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, do you think that that perhaps may alienate someone who doesn't have the worst case scenario no, and I just d- wants I don't, improvement? Uh, no,
3: I don't think so. Because, no? I, well, you know, it depends on how much time you have to outline the ideas. But, mm-hmm. you know, what, what? I because even if things are going really well for you now, there's going to be a time in the future where things are rough. You know, you're going to be ill. Family member's going to be ill. A dream is going to fall apart. You're going to be, you're gonna be uh, uh, uncertain about your employment status. Like. The, the flood is coming, right? The apocalypse is coming. It's always the case in life. And you have to be prepared for it. And the question is how to prepare for it. And the answer to that is to find a way of being that works even under the direst of circumstances. That's the issue. And so you outline... And I mean, I am pessimistic about this in my approach in some sense because when I'm talking to my audiences and the same thing happens and happened in my book, Maps of Meaning and in 12 Rules for Life, I'm laying out the worst-case scenario. And that's sort of like hell. It's things are going really badly for you. And that there's just chance associated with that sometimes and you and the people around you are doing stupid things to make it worse it's like okay what have you got under those circumstances you've got the possibility to slowly raise yourself out of the mire you've got the, the possibility to do just what the fighter does when he's defeated which is to say well regardless of the circumstances that might have led to my defeat like even if there were errors on the part of the referee this is no time to whine about it. This is a time to take stock of what I did wrong so that I could improve it into the future. And that's the right attitude. You know, in the Old Testament, one of the things that's really interesting about the Old Testament stories is in the Old Testament, the Jews keep getting walloped by God. It's like they they struggle up and make an empire and then they just get walloped. And then it's all crushed and they're, and they're, they're out of it for generations. And then they struggle back up and make an empire. And then they get demolished again. And it happens over and over and over. And... The, the attitude of the Old Testament Hebrews is, we must have made a mistake. It's never to shake their fist at the sky and curse fate. It's never that. The presupposition is, if things aren't working out, it's my fault.
1: Mm. Wow. That is just wow. I love that so much. And his point, and I agree, is that the saints have now set themselves up. To be catastrophized again in the future. To pick up the victim card in a big game in the future. The next time a referee misses a call. Or a key player like Drew Brees gets hurt. Or something like that. Or another team gets lucky. Or they get unlucky. And the ball bounces off the upright and bounces off the crossbar. And the season's over all of a sudden. In other words, they're bitches. They don't even know it. Just a guy like Jordan Peterson is far more eloquent. And by the way, none of this. All, I think this interview was recorded months ahead of this game. But it all applies. That's the thing. And I believe the interview is its long. I haven't listened to all of it, but it was fascinating. I mean, I, I love this dude. First of all, he's a brilliant thinker. Whether you agree with him or disagree, and I know there's controversy with him. I'm not going to get into that. I think he's a masterful communicator. He is a ninja debater, yet he's humble, aware of what he maybe can't say for certain, yet still firm in certain beliefs about the role of the individual in society and how it stacks up against the current trend of group grievance and identity politics and et cetera, et cetera. And that Canadian accent, eh? who eh? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's good stuff. Hope that didn't bore you. Those were two almost three minute clips of probably a, a ninety minute plus interview or longer, and it may 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 have gone over your head, but I don't think so. I think you listeners of this ZabeCast, you get it. You're smart. I started with the stupid, which is Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, and Adam Schefter. That's the dumb. That's the low end of the pool of brains. This was the refined high end of it. And it's good stuff. This is where the DJ
0: talks. Don't say anything. Okay.
5: Oh, beauty, go. Okay.
1: All right. We check in from the future side of Ice Planet Hoth and Eric Getter, who is battening down the hatches for what is going to be an unbelievable polar punch to the nuts. A punch to the nuts, a kick to the nuts. And then while you're down holding your nuts, her. Uh, Chuck
5: Norris is coming in then. It,
1: it, right. It, as, as soon as you're on the ground after a punch and a kick to the nuts, they're going to start stomping on your nuts. This is going to look oh, like yeah. one of those uh, Japanese fetish videos where the businessman pays a hot chick to <laughs> kick him in the balls repeatedly because that's their thing.
5: Uh, Good
1: luck. Yeah. Good luck that's, and that's enjoy. So right now it's one degree up there and already the fuel line to your atv which you're going to use to plow your driveway is freezing up
5: yeah it's uh it's i've had to heat it up with a propane heater the last two days uh to get it started to get out we've had water lines to the Washer in the house frees up.
1: Um, I'm not laughing. I'm just laughing. You know what I'm saying?
5: Yeah, no, no, it's 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 uh, it's real. Um,
1: Laugh it up, fuzzball.
5: <laughs> exactly.
1: Hey, so, yeah, uh, hey, Zabe, aren't you aren't you planning on uh, moving up there sometime? What what's wrong with you, well, man? It is, uh, is going This won't happen again for years. By the time I'm be, living up there, that eh, this shit'll never happen.
5: It's going to be a balmy 22 degrees uh, later today. Um, for a high
1: and then with- comes hell so let's see so you guys are not only is it going to plunge to negative 25 by midweek yes. but you're yep, getting you're getting upwards of 8 to 12 to maybe more inches of snow on the front end
5: uh well where i'm located it's 8 to uh 11 to 17 inches
1: holy by- shit
5: By Monday, when most people will be listening to this, yes, could be (laughs) a foot and a half of snow on the ground.
1: Send me pictures. That's all I want to know. Just send me pictures. I want to see updates. You're literally you're living on ice planet Hoth. It's gonna be unreal. I didn't think it could snow. I saw the forecast. I'm like, how can it snow at minus six? Uh, yeah, it can actually.
5: Well, it's gonna be it's gonna be warm, quote unquote warm. You know, twenty degrees before. Uh, it gets super cold, so the snow will come before it gets super cold.
1: Yeah, but so. then okay, so then you get let's say you only get eight inches of snow, only eight. Yeah. Because it's getting so cold and winds it's upwards, it's going to be
5: so fluffy and it's going to blow all over. And oh yeah, and, and none of three foot drifts.
1: And, none of it will melt, and no. you can't. I don't even think ice. I don't think uh, salt is effective even at certain no. temperatures.
5: No, yeah, it's uh, maybe to minus five, but my my outdoor video camera's are al- already not working.
1: <laughs> Nothing's working, basically.
5: Nothing's working. Yeah, no, the outside is. Yeah, you want to be inside and and hope your your heater continues to work, your furnace continues to work, and you have enough food for the next four days.
1: Yeah, like you need to go serious, Alex Jones prepper right now. I mean, are are all your are your are all your vehicles uh fueled up
5: vehicles are gassed uh,
1: how do you know they're going to start though do you have battery heaters
5: uh no but we have fuel line additives to make sure the fuel lines don't um i have a backup uh, a jump starter you know a battery powered jump starter that's in the house already charged up ready to go
1: do you have a heated Uh, garage
5: it is not heated, but that's going to get added to the garage uh, <laughs> within the next two weeks, for call, sure. Why don't you
1: call a company uh, tonight on a Sunday night and yeah, say, Yeah, sure, they'll just come right over. Hello, I would like to heat my garage. Yes. yes. Could you perform all at- the work, all the insulation, all yep. the heating ducts required by, say, tomorrow night at 5 p.m.?
5: Should be no problem. I'm sure I'll get a good deal.
1: Holy shit. So are you are you are, is there any excitement for this? Cuz it is no. something not a little bit tiny bit.
5: Well, I mean they're saying, you know, it's going to be a record low um on Tuesday. So yeah. Your kids aren't alive. going to your
1: kids aren't going to school, are they?
5: Kids are already off tomorrow. Um supposed to be the first day in their new school building. Yeah. So that's that ain't happening. Scrapped.
1: Well, uh, and then if they're not going Monday, they're sure as hell not going Tuesday and Wednesday because it's too damn cold.
5: Yeah, I don't, I don't see them going back until Thursday.
1: You, you send a a bus full of kids out into Ice Planet Hoff, and they slide one foot off the road into a ditch oh. and can't get out. Yeah, there's yeah. a bus full of dead kids. Not gonna happen. Well, um, so they're yeah, going. So it doesn't
5: really happen, but yeah, that could potentially happen.
1: And no, it does. Like seriously, that's how cold well, it's gonna not- be.
5: We're not in, like, you know, China where... You
1: this week there's... you is. Oh, who's true. gonna come? Who's going to come rescue a school bus full of kids when the roads are coated in snow? None of them are clear, by the way. None. You plow them, going to blow right back on. Nothing's melting, by the way. So you're going to go come rescue... I mean, I guess you could rescue a school bus full of kids, but it would be a harrowing thing. And if that engine conks out when it slides off the road, then they have approximately 30 minutes to live. Not joking.
5: Uh, You're probably right, yeah. No. Yeah, my kids wanted to play outside uh, yesterday after we got back from California, and I'm like, it's five below right now. What is wrong with you? So yeah, it's only going to get five times worse by Wednesday.
1: (laughs) This is unreal. So this will be records for you guys up there, right?
5: I don't think I've uh I've had this in my lifetime. Yeah. No.
1: When I lived in Northbrook, Illinois, once upon a time, it was minus there. it was minus. yeah, it was minus uh eleven, I think, for a high one day, but it was kind of like a, a one or two day thing. As I recall, this is going to be you say sixty hours under zero.
5: I think you will yeah, depending on how it, yeah, depending on how it tracks. But yeah, I think after, (laughs) by tomorrow, so Monday night through Thursday night. So yeah, it could be almost 72 hours of not seeing above zero.
1: Do you have a fireplace? Yes, we do. And do you think that, I don't understand fireplaces because I've had people tell me, all you're doing is you're replacing one part of your heated house with a different part. Yes. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And that the only net benefit of a fireplace is if you're right in front of the fire. Yes. Then it's warmer there, but the overall heating of your house, it doesn't it it doesn't help. Does it hurt? uh
5: no, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't really help. I mean, it's yeah, in that because it's
1: sucking heat out of your house. Correct. While radiating a portion of heat back into your house.
5: Ten feet out, you know, yeah, ten feet out from the fireplace, but. Um, if you talk to fireplace guys like Clarky,
1: yes, he um, is Mister you know, Fireplace. They,
5: they they have inserts that you can do, and basically you close off your chimney, and you vent it out a smaller hole, where then it becomes more energy efficient.
1: What about the smoke?
5: Uh, so it's not smoke; it just runs off the gas. So it's a it's it's a fake look. So it's a um, gas
1: fireplace.
5: Correct. Yep. Yeah.
1: Okay. And, and you ever be- you ever re- become- you have a real wood fireplace?
5: we have real wood presently do you, yes do you, that's do, you have, gonna change. do you
1: have do you have wood in the house ready to go because at minus uh, 25 you step out on your porch to get a log the temperature in your house is going to drop 20 degrees
5: the the wood is presently on the deck but uh, i think tomorrow i will you know when it's going to be a balmy 22 i will uh, move a good majority of that wood to the garage.
1: Have you identified have certain? Ready. Have you identified certain kids' toys you're ready to burn if needed? If things oh, get God, very yeah. dire, yeah, yeah, okay, hundred percent. Are you are you loaded up on Xanax? Yes, because yeah. you're going to yep. be housebound with your lovely wife and your two rambunctious under ten year old oh, no. children.
5: Mrs. Gitter's going to work tomorrow. Still, that's the plan tomorrow.
1: But then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You're in siege mode, so uh, three days in yeah, the she'll house. She'll
5: try to go to work still. She'll, she'll try really? to go to work still. And
1: what oh, yeah. happens when Mrs. G slides off the road and is thirty minutes from dying? You gonna go save her?
5: Well, good thing our uh, Mrs. G's office is only about five minutes from the house. Okay. So,
1: I you know if I sound like a little ninny, I'm just I I don't want anything uh, bad to happen. This is you know cold. You can't you can't fuck with this man. This is killer no, cold. killer cold baby.
5: Cold, cold, and gravity undefeated, right? Is that- sure
1: are. I guess that made uh, watching Tory Pines today even more sort of taunting because well, God is that as, place beautiful, huh?
5: As as you know, I just came from California uh, yesterday, so this has been a
1: <laughs> welcome great, home. Very
5: rude awakening the last uh, thirty six hours.
1: God, and and you know what people say. We should extend the NFL season two more weeks, so we can get the Super Bowl on on Martin Luther King Day in the middle of February, right?
5: No, we just had MLK Day. Oh, what uh, President's Day?
1: There you go, President's Day. Yes. Can so can you imagine if this game was being played at Lambeau? Oh, god! A, a playoff game. I mean, like there you couldn't actually play it. There's a case where Larry King. Who said yeah. in a tweet, "Yeah, they should, you know, postpone the Chiefs. What is only going to be game.
5: five degrees? I think was like the forecasted low temperature for that game. I was at the Packer game against the 49ers when I think it was about minus eight at kickoff. You
1: know, really, uh, that five, game yeah, was the Niner game was minus eight. Uh,
5: I think with the yeah, it may, or may have been zero, but then like with the wind chill, it was it was." It was. They were comparing it to the ice bowl,
1: and the so, yeah, and, the
5: one where Kaepernick had like two hundred yards rushing.
1: Ice bowl was uh, minus thirteen degrees.
5: Yeah, so this was right. Re- this was very similar. Um I think it, it somehow it, it swung a little warmer that day, but it was it was still below zero at kickoff. Because I th- if I if memory serves, it was a three fifteen kickoff as well.
1: Uh Bengals Chargers in eighty two in Cincinnati was negative nine. The third coldest, according to this story on the internet, which we all know the internet's never wrong. Never lies. Minnesota hosting the Seahawks, minus six. That was the Blair Walsh project. Yoink. Oh, yes. Pulled it yes. left. Yep. He's uh,
4: good
5: at
1: that. January 20th, 2008, Green Bay, minus four. Does that sound right? The 08 game? the Niners. Is that Niners? It does, the, the stupid graphic on Fox 9 doesn't say who played who. They just give the year two thousand eight, Jan twenty. That could have been, that could have been the Giants game actually. Now that, that I think was about the it. Giants game. Yeah, that was the Giants game yeah. with that uh, Tom Coughlin with his face this, all smeared this up.
5: This would have been a this would have been a wild card weekend game.
1: But yeah. the Packers. Oh, it, it wasn't minus nine because there's nothing beyond two thousand eight in the okay. top ten. So. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm cold just thinking about it. I I'll be with you guys. I'll really be sympathetic to you. I'll, I'll be in I mean, Atlanta if, Tuesday if here, morning. At just Martin's... imagine
5: if you were here this weekend instead of last weekend.
1: Crazy. Uh, that you thank, missed thank... it by a week. Thank God! I'll uh, I'll I'll only be making flexible monthly visits up there in the immediate future, and I won't actually be living there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's too early to go to Brewer Spring Training, so uh,
5: I got about another thirty days before uh, pitchers and catchers report. So how not, many, not even thirty.
1: How many days till Zay Vegas? That's the most important thing.
5: Fifty nine. I was informed of yes! today.
1: Oh shit! I got to go By on di- got to go on a diet. Scott
5: Shiree so said fifty nine as of today. Okay.
1: All right. All right. The uh, won another tournament.
5: Yeah. Great. Putting with the flag stick in. I'm starting. F- yeah. How many flags hit the putt or how many putts hit the flag for him today?
1: I saw him make one with the flag stick in. I'm starting to think. I'm starting to think, getter. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm starting to. Oh, think- no. I'm starting to think. <laughs> I'm starting to think that putting with it in. Would improve your short putting if 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 it promotes a more relaxed, firm stroke. Because it, it's like the putting green effect where you don't bother to take the little shorty sticks out. And you well, just, you just... M- wait,
5: wait, wait, wait. Back up. Most people don't bother taking the short, nerdy sticks out, except someone on this conversation always takes the short, nerdy sticks out. That'd be you. No, it's you. You always take them out.
1: Is that wrong? Prior to this it's... year's rule change, what good is practicing something that won't happen?
5: That is true, but <laughs> the whole point of the short nerdy sticks on the putting green is you just tap it in and you lift it out, and then you don't have to bend down to get your ball out of the hole.
1: I think this. I think if you, if you, if you're got a three footer and you're just banging it in against the flag. You're going to make more confident strokes. Now, when you gack it and miss, it's going to leave you a four-footer coming back. But I think you're going to make more three-footers with the flag in because you're just going to go, just bang it in. The flag is there to stop it. I think a, a, a putt that's going pretty fast that's in the right half of the cup or the left half, either one, that would otherwise be a violent lip out Is going to hit that flagstick and it's going to carry them in. In. So,
5: I'm watching the golf as we speak, and John Rahm just had one violently lip out with the flagstick in, but it did not hit the flagstick.
1: So then it, so it doesn't matter then. So it was a violent lip out without the flagstick. I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. We got some time to figure it out. Uh, So
5: day one of hope for lamar flag sticks out is the required rule day 2 no, we're not flag make, sticks in the whole time no we're
1: not making – we're not <laughs> that'd be funny actually we could have a local mandatory. rule mandatory, mandatory leave them in
5: flag sticks in god
1: be like banging a chick with your boots on <laughs> weird <laughs> But hey, some people swear by it.
5: Well, you never know.
1: I think they've written songs better, about that. You can leave your boots on with the boots on, right? Like, well, to, to give her, Mm-hmm. to get that leverage, get her. All right, it got it got weird. All right, get her. Good luck prepping for uh, Ice Planet Hoth. Send some photos. Tweet me and uh, good luck. Of course luck. I will. All right, very good. All right, Dime, man. See you. My
0: brother Doug, how's it going, eh? Beauty, eh? Yeah, I like that. Okay. Okay. okay, everyone, this record was my idea. Get out. It was. You're lying. He here just sort of
1: rid it. Let's end on this today. I did see the documentary on Netflix about the ill-fated fire festival that went belly up in 2017. I believe that was the year. So coming up on two years of it. I know there's another documentary that was made by Hulu, and they're different. I've actually read a quick recap. Of you know stacking them up, which one's better? I've seen the Netflix one, and there may be a spoiler or two ahead. So if you don't want to see it or hear it, uh, I guess skip over this. Shouldn't tell you to skip over my Zabe cast, but I am. I won't reveal too many spoilers. My first thought was when people say, "Oh, you gotta, you gotta, talk, you gotta see this Fire Festival documentary." My first thought was, "Yeah, it was a scam." So what? Like what? what's interesting about it i've heard of many scams in many different ways what's so different about this and they go ah oh, it's good there's a there's a few real jaw-dropping moments and i watched and i go oh yeah yeah there was one right there holy shit without spoiling it entirely of course billy mcfarland the asshole who's in jail for six years and by the way six years not long enough you ask me uh, Billy McFarlane is morally bankrupt, and what he asked Andy King to do makes him even more morally bankrupt. And King himself, for admitting that he was ready to do it, makes him, in my opinion, morally bankrupt. Who are you to judge? I'm just giving you my opinion. If if he was willing to do that, then it's like, well, then you you your, your moral account has... Zero, zero, zero in it. Because greed is a hell of a thing. Yeah, I know. We're all in this for the money. We're all greedy, including me. It's easy to rip millennials on this. Stupid millennials wasting three three grand plus to go to some stupid music festival. But guess what? Bernie Madoff. Adults with supposed financial smarts, got taken to the cleaners by Bernie Madoff. So I won't go too hard on millennials for being stupid and getting ripped off, because a lot of music festivals exist, and they're real, and they're cool, I guess, if you're young and like dropping acid and listening to house music for hours at a time. This was the first one of its type, and it was going to be at a place where it's like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. So it wasn't as big of a leap to say, I'm oh in, here's my money, as I think some people who never go to music festivals would think. It's amazing, by the way, that guys still look up to him, Billy McFarland. Even the guys who got, you know, their credit card bills racked up and left high and dry. And it was amazing nobody was murdered or seriously hurt, and I believe John Rule said that in the conference call. Hey, man, we didn't kill anybody. Nobody got hurt. A lot of smart people on this call. Let's figure it the fuck out. Yeah, no figuring out. It's over, pal. I thought the Netflix version had sort of sloppy storytelling. I thought there's too many holes. that could have been explained better. You kind of figure it out as it goes along. Oh, they didn't really buy the island. They had a limited lease on the island. And then they got kicked off the island. We didn't know that right away, but you figure it out later. I thought it needed a narrator. A lot of documentaries, they're done in a style in which they get the principals who sit down and appear on camera to tell the story from one clip to the other, and there's no narrator. And part of that is because it's cheaper. You have to pay a narrator, and you might think, well, how m- much more money could that cost? Well, it's money. I think we could do without a narrator. Also, you got to pay a script writer for it. Hey, it all starts to add up. So a lot of these documentaries, they just try to Stitched together, people saying on camera, and yes, the people that appeared on camera got paid. Don't know how much, but they got paid. You don't think some sap, some balding redheaded opie from Happy Days sap, who got taken for several grand, would sit down on camera and go, "Yep, I'm oh, really looking forward to the festival for nothing." Do you? He was trying to claw back whatever he could, and apparently the the people at Hulu paid. McFarland himself, to narrate and to be in the doc. Their doc, their version. It's called Fire Fraud. And I'd say I'd watch it, but I don't have Hulu. And I ain't paying for Hulu just for that. Take one for the team. We joked about the guy who took one for my golf trip without even knowing he was taking one for the team. I'm going to take one for the team. Wow. And then being locked in an airport, In uh, Grand Exuma, or wherever they were. Boy, that looked like no fun at all. Yep, Good night, everybody. And you're locked in. I do wish I had the idea of the fake Russian Learjet that never gets off the ground, that's used only for photo shoots. For chicks that want Instagram photos of them supposedly on a Learjet, all glammed up. God, that's a great idea. Wish I'd thought of it. I recommend watching it if you do have Netflix. It's 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 a good watch. Not groundbreaking. And there will be more. But it was a good watch. And honestly, it's a hell of an idea. Like if you could pull that off at some price point or something a little bit better, maybe scale it down just a bit, don't quite have as many super high-end acts, don't pay supermodels 250 grand. Uh, to come for a photo shoot or whatever it was. Oh, I think they played they paid Kylie Jenner 250 grand for a tweet. Oh my God. All right, that'll do it for today. Download, subscribe, comment, and like. Tell a couple friends. Get the ZabeCast app. It's free. It's fun. It works great. Subscribe to premiumzabe.com slash premium is how you do it. Podcasts are the future. They're like Netflix for your ears. Email me with topics, suggestions, feedback, and more at zabe at yahoo.com. Now, just remember, I'm more than just your friendly voice in your ears every day for this show. I, too, am a social influencer. So subscribe to the premium Or you are a loser. Subscribe. There's I influence you. Good. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.